Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask does not Make sure you adjust your own mask before helping others. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holy Liquid Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, and for you freaky motherfuckers out there, Sebastian Adams. On today's episode, we're going shopping and looking at labels and talking about labels and stuff like that. And with me, I have Tyrell. How are you doing? Good, good, sir? Hello, hello. I am doing good. Hoping everybody's at, uh, well, doing well. Look, I look. I don't know. I need to look and see exactly when this episode is coming out. I think this is after the mid-season break, so I'm just going to act as though it is because, look, I'm sorry, y'all. It's January, and I've been busy, like, working in terms of, like, podcasting. So I have a lot of episodes right now, and these episodes are already, like, pushing towards August, so I don't know if I should be talking about uh, November in all these episodes going forward, or if I should just be like, you know, <laughs> acting as though it's closer to well, whenever this release. Well, look, you can just put it in like a special note section, be like reference here. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, reference here. Something's coming your way. Exactly. <laughs> there might be an announcement. There might not be an announcement. Who knows? Oh, God. But look, it's I love it, though. I love it. This to me, this means that it's going to be a relaxed podcasting year. Yes. So I, I always love that. <clears throat> I love it when I'm relaxed. I love it when my guests are relaxed. I love it when everyone's relaxed and just being them and being free. And I double checked. We could talk about November. Yes. <laughs> Listen, because I know y'all enjoyed the November that came that came around the first time. So you know. Look, and if you have not listened to those episodes, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you not catching up on the show? Exactly. It's Look, subscribe. Go watch those episodes. Right. Like. See, I'm not going to remember that. I just said it's August, so <laughs> it's not August, y'all. When this episode comes out, it's October. No, it's September. Uh, it's some it's some month. I'm sorry, y'all. Evergreen content is better. I, I love those people who are able to do the uh, quick reactions and the um, hot takes and pop culture things and what's going on now. I love those people so much, but... It takes a lot of work to edit episodes, make sure you have the right guests to talk about these things, and I don't got that much time on my hands. I got time on my hands, but not that exactly. much. The time I do have is for self-care, because self-care is great. 
Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I did say that we are going to talk about labels today. So let's go ahead and get into that conversation. Um, what what do labels mean to you? Hmm. Labels. So for me, I think that it's always been like a push and pull with labels. I think just for personally for me, and then I think just seeing about how other people, you know, treat labels. I think that labels in a lot of ways are good because I think innately as people, we like labels because we like to have something we can identify with. Mm-hmm. It's how we, you know, make sense of the world. So even just the label of just, you know, hey, this is mother, this is father, this is so-and-so, this is that, you know. So of course we have those gen- those general labels as well. I think that the complication becomes is that when we're trying to understand our intersex mm-hmm. of labels. So it's like to say, okay, what does it mean for me to be a male, a self-identifying male? What does it mean for me to be a black male? Mm-hmm. So adding the nature of my ethnicity, my background onto that, then adding the next label of what does it mean for me to be a uh, black same gender loving male? Mm-hmm. Right. And then so as you're getting into all these labels that you have, you're starting to understand your uh, your kind of position, you know, kind of with who you are in the world. And how does that actually show up for you? The reason why I think labels are uh, that the reason why they become so complicated and why you hear a lot of pushback with labels is because when you try to circumvent your labels onto other people, Mm. That is where it becomes a problem because just because you may identify as one, as one, you know, thing or aspect doesn't mean the next person does. And so I think that you can identify differently. And even if you do have labels that are the same, just Mm -hmm. know that even though you may have the same label, this another person may be on a different spectrum of that label than you are, you know. So just being open to the nature of just different narratives with inside those labels is 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 key and it's pertinent. And I say my my issue with labels is like like when you earlier when you said identifier, like I do see them as a good way to identify things, but I don't see them as being a representation of identity, meaning that like whenever the way that we use labels now is to restrict and put things in the box and we want everything to fit that and stay on this specific narrative rather than oh okay this person identifies as bisexual gay heterosexual whatever the case is mom dad sister brother this is what they identify as but this is not their sole identity but what we typically do is we just put them in that box put them in that role put them in that position that okay because you are father you have to do such and such such and such and such and such if your mother you have to be in the kitchen you have to do this you're the brother you have to be the protector you have to make sure that you stick up for your siblings when nobody else is there blah 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 blah. you're the sister you have to be there to um, not protect but you know be the emotional guard for your siblings, blah, 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 or be better than whatever the case is. Exactly. We make it so that we have little to no escape uh, in terms of our identity because of the label that we place on ourselves, uh, mm-hmm. which to me is extremely unfair, rather than we just say, or 
provide, like you said, it's a spectrum. We don't give that leniency that, oh, you're, you say you're this. That's great. So how do you express yourself or, or just acknowledge, okay, that's cool. You're bi. That's mm-hmm. a part of you. And not make this entire story of who this person is because of their sexuality. Like, oh, I have gay friends. Okay, cool. I'm not your gay friend. You don't know me. <laughs> like, I love hanging out with the gays. Okay, I don't. <laughs> and I might be exactly. on that spectrum. I still don't. I, I'm joking. I do like hanging around with some gays. Not all. But like, we because we make it so strict, it makes me not want to be labeled. Right. And and then also, you also have to think about, you know, intergenerational experiences, mm. because depending on who you're talking to, like, I, I find a lot of times, uh, even just in conversing with like older, older gentlemen, like, I, I think for my conversations, I get actually more pushback from people who are actually my own age. Mm than I actually do from like talking to like with older with older gentlemen because to me older gentlemen like yeah they're kind of like set in certain ways of course but I meet so many older gentlemen that are they're wanting to know about different labels about different you know binaries of identity because for older gentlemen they may not have had you know that level of expression or was able to you know kind of uh, being the, the know about these kind of identities. And so it, it's really striking to me because you would think that, you know, having talking to people who are your age and, you know, who are around your experiences um, of a kind of, you know, progressive society that, you know, we kind of are in and, you know, continuing to move into. But it's kind of like my, uh, like, I don't know, something about talking to people around my age are actually more rigid than I would have ever, I would have ever assumed. And it's not even necessarily asking the nature of a question. I mean, we're all inquisitive. If you don't know something, of course, you know, ask a question, but it's like the pushback. It's like, oh, like, really? Like, what's that? Or um, like, well, I'm this, or, you know, like, or just having this, this kind of like defensive tone, but I'm like, but you're the one that asked the question though. And you're the one that's wanting to know. So why are you getting defensive? You know, I get that. Like, I've had conversations with people where I'm thinking we're having an uh, actual, you know, healthy conversation about our differences and whatnot. And then they literally get defensive whenever something doesn't fit the same narrative that they um, follow. Like, I've really had experiences where people just like, well, I don't know about everybody else, but this is just how I want to be and live my life. But I'm like, nobody was saying that you have to change your life. Exactly. It's okay for you to do whatever the hell you were doing. I'm just saying there's other perspectives out here other than your own. It's like, calm down. Nobody's attacking you or what you like or what you want. So you can take a mite off, some Tylenol and, you know, calm down. (laughs) Exactly. But like, even I think a lot of that... For, for what I've seen deals with the concept of wanting to be politically correct a, a, a lot, which mm. I don't really get. I understand not being offensive to other people, other communities and whatnot, but you don't have mm. to be a politically correct person in all spaces. Like yeah. if you cannot be you and have a, a conversation, I don't want to talk to you. Exactly. Because if you find yourself wanting to or just having the need to be politically correct all the time, you're going to find yourself walking on eggshells all the time. Mm-hmm. And something that I actually told um, like a group, a uh, Facebook group that I belong to, 
Um, we were having a conversation recently about the nature of labels and sexual scripts and, you know, things like that. And one of the things that I brought up, I was saying that instead of trying to overwhelm, it's like data, you know, mm -hmm. when you're trying to learn a completely like new system, it's like you don't have to overwhelm yourself, try, you know, or overwhelm your brain trying to understand the nature of this term or this phrase or anything like that. Instead, focus on the nature of the person that you're getting to know or the person that you're talking to. How is this term or this label, you know, representative or is a reality for them? And that's how you that's how you come to know about uh, labels and the way that people want to identify and not identify. It's not based on a larger kind of ideological notion. Yeah, there is that. And yes, you'll learn that over time you know, if you're really wanting to to know, but instead focus on the person because that's who you're talking to. You're not talking to an idea. You're exactly. talking to a person. So focus on that person and how that, and how that label is a truth for them in their life. Yeah. And I think about like whenever, <laughs> so it's not necessarily politically correctness, but, um, you know, having these conversations with people where you, you know, when people learn a new word or something like that and mm -hmm. they try to act like this is something that's regularly in their vernacular or they act as though that they've been on this way for such a long time rather than just acknowledging that, okay, this is something that's new to me. Mm -hmm. um, and they just go so heavy with it. That yeah. shit annoys me. And on top of that is when we do label people, we don't even take in consideration about what is the experience like you were saying the experiences of other people um what they're what they've gone through or who they are as a person or a community like yeah. i think often about that latinx thing uh and no, learning okay. that oh well people um uh, from the hispanic communities as well as on a global and broader scale it's just like what the fuck is a latinx like if you're going to do anything uh like to try to make something gender neutral uh, one, nobody asked for this. Two, at least make it uh, within the rules of the language itself and not just add an X just because you feel like it's something that you have the power to do. And rather than just coming as a group <laughs> and having these conversations with people of this background, of this heritage, of this language, and just saying, hey, is there anything that is gender neutral in terms of how we all express ourselves? Yeah. And they will learn, oh, if you say Latinos, that is definitely inclusive of everybody. It's not just me. The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss includes kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. 
jobs and they will learn, oh, if you say Latinos, that is definitely inclusive of everybody. It's not just men. And that's the thing, like, because it's interesting that you brought that up because I was seeing that article that was posted recently about, like, how a lot of people do not subscribe, you know, subscribe to the term Latinx and things like that. And I, for um, the class that I teach in English composition, I do cover um, Latino and Hispanic, you know, a lesson in history. And what I will do is that as I'm phrasing it, um, I will say for like the nature of the discussion, Latino, Latina, and or Latinx. And it's just as a kind of sign of respect as to say like, hey, for anybody that does, you know, identify as Latinx because of the fact it is supposed to be a gender neutral or non-binary, you know, kind of term, I'm not dismissing the nature of, you know, saying like Latino or Latina or, you know, what have you, but, you know, just even trying to be more, you know, trying to be more inclusive as to say like, hey, I'm not saying, you know, I can't, you know, go through the entire branch of everything that, that is of uh, Spanish culture, of course, <laughs> but I can say that hmm, because of the fact that this is a kind of tricky area where you don't know, you know, necessarily what or what may or may not offend people not that you're that's what you're primarily concerned with mm -hmm. but because of the fact that i don't know i rather just hey instead of just saying uh discussion of latino history or you know discussion of latina history i'll say uh hispanic latino latina and latinx history mm -hmm. or something you know that feels a little bit more you know feels that it's a little bit more inclusive without it having to uh be overexerted I, I get that. And I, I would say that approach is, like you said, inclusive and it's um, a showing of acknowledgement of the culture mm -hmm. itself, uh, as well as utilizing the newer lingo that I must say is um, westernized lingo. Um, and it does give that, you know, sense of, hey, I'm doing my best <laughs> to respect everybody in their boundaries so i definitely get that i truly get that um but i've experienced this you know the online people where um that there's comments of people saying oh no you're supposed to say this you're supposed to say that in terms of you know latinx and i'm like but you have individuals of this background that you're telling them that they need to do this and they're telling you no i don't like that I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't want that label. This is not who we are. This is not of, of me. And it's just being able to respect that within those situations um, of like, okay, I do apologize. You, you are of this culture. I may not be. So I, okay, let me bow down to that and respect that. Uh, and not push that onto you and um and like your approach on the other hand is a lot more we're using it all <laughs> regardless of where you're from <laughs> if you over here and you're trying to be pc you're within that uh i'm not telling you that you have to do that i'm just saying i want i'm wanting to include that just in case if you do identify that so yeah, that's a different approach yeah. And then it's kind of like, like, I get the argument also, but I also don't, I guess for me, and I, maybe it's my ignorance as well. I don't necessarily understand the entirety of the pushback against the nature of the term Latinx, because I'm like, if, if for a group of people, if there is a history of just being called Latin, you know, uh, you know, Latinos, uh, should we say, but now there is a kind of identifier for people 
who, you know, may have different gender, uh, various gender identities or, you know, be a non-binary term. My thing is like, okay, if you don't, you know, associate with it, then that's fine. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's not to say like, it's supposed to be like an impediment or, you know, some type of infiltration to, uh, to history or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, so if this is, you know, what makes, you know, some group of people in the Latin community feel more, you know, seen or visible and accepted, then I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong with that? It's not to take anything away from you, but, you know, I don't know. I, I think the approach is because it's from who is doing it, because it's mm -hmm. not of the community. It is okay. of Western um, okay. civilization or Western thought. That is mm -hmm. the thing that's offensive to a lot of the people. Like, you remember, did you see that book that came out about trap queens? okay i've heard i heard it i didn't read it so it was a um uh, it was a book written by a white woman that uh saying that she's studying the uh epidemic or whatever the case wow. is of the trap queen and mm. did a case study kind of thing and it was very cringe but in terms right. of what a trap queen is what they represent and all this other stuff and pretty much was using lyrics from the song to identify what a trap queen is supposed to be that's essentially what uh, a lot of, I would say, academics do when it comes to that term Latinx. Like, no one told you that you have to identify us this, this way. Why not meet with us and we could talk about what a trap queen is, what we uh, prefer in terms of identity, and not um, assume that we don't have anything that's gender neutral, essentially. Like. Right. <clears throat> But, but you know, but you know, also something that's interesting in this talk about like labels, um, one of the like uh she she's not just a child psych uh child psychologist, uh, but she's also like uh has a little bit of uh background in in sex therapy in sex therapy as well. Um her YouTube channel is amazing. Her name is Nadine Thornhill. And one of the series that she does is how to talk to you like your children about um about you know reproduction about sex and things like that and she does it like in stages like what are some of the things that you would tell uh you know like children who are like in the first grade like give, how would you give them like an anatomy lesson and this just came to mind with the nature of labels what you know just stuck out to me how in her context I like really what it is that she says about um asking kids to like you know if you're having like a diagram or something like to name body parts or ask what parts of our body are different colors or different textures and things like that and one of the key things she says is that even though we have to operate within labels to not gender mm -hmm. you know the body parts not all boys have penises not all girls have a vulva you know so it avoids you know kind of confusion down the line so teaching children that they don't need to they don't need to see genitals to associate gender identity mm -hmm. right children know they have genitals all we're telling them is that they also have names so so the fact that you know we can show like hey i have two arms but we can also show that hey we also have some people in the world who only have one arm mm -hmm. or only one leg you know so it's to also be more inclusive to people who may have disabilities mm. you know so it is just to say that Yes, we we need labels because of the fact that obviously it's how we can have identifier identity markers, but just to make sure that we know that 
hey, just because we're talking about the nature of this label, this is not just the sole script, like you said earlier, this is not the sole narrative, mm. you know, of this label. There are many other narratives that come with this label, you know. So um, speaking of soul narratives, um, sexual roles, uh, let's yeah. dive into that. And okay. when I uh, mention sex, sexual roles, this is going to be definitely queer focused people. So if you're not of the community and they don't make any sense, there's a dictionary. I might define some things. I don't know. Who knows how this, this conversation is going to go? I don't. <laughs> so um, of, of course, these are not necessarily specific to queer people, but it is what it is. But you know, you have bottoms, tops, verse. Well, actually, let's expand this. You have the woman, the man, and yeah, sexual roles. How you feel about it? Hmm. Ooh, we we don't have five hours. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, no, I'm playing. Um, no, you know, sexual roles is also something that is ingrained, especially into um, queer communities, because it's something that will will not go away. However, I will say I find the nature of speaking about sexual roles more prevalent in black and brown communities than I see in white communities. Really? Um, and it's not to say like it doesn't it doesn't happen, but I think that the toxicity mm. of, of the way that we associate sex sexual roles in black and brown communities, we definitely need to, you know, continue, continue with our with our work. And you know, this this always like whenever I hear about, you know, how people express themselves and how it can be toxic. I always go to hegemony because of that. The reason why is um, it's this thing that I learned during my research about uh, how uh, when someone assimilates themselves into the uh, hegemonic culture or whoever, you know, the leaders, the ones who are pushing the narrative, whenever people assimilate into the, the narrative of a new culture that they're, you know, joining or um, they're being oppressed in, they tend to ramp it up. They tend to overproduce or they tend to uh, attach themselves to those narratives extra hard because they have to fight as hard just to fit in. Like, you know, when you have those uh, conversations about success, you have to do 10 times as harder or two times as harder as the um, mediocre person just so you can be seen. The same thing happens when people assimilate with, uh, into whatever the culture is, whatever the narrative is. And I this is my hypothesis. It's not. Uh, it's not proven, or I have not found the research to prove it in this this space. But um, I feel as though we do that, like Black and Brown people do that, in order for us to fit the queer community. Because mm -hmm. oh, a bottom has to be this. Cool. Mm -hmm. I know the role. I know the position. I'm comfortable with that. Now let me do. Let me go all out so I can fit within this community and show people that I am the bottom. I'm the top-notch bottom here. Like mm -hmm. I can do the bottom better than anybody else can be the bottom. And uh, mm -hmm. and I see that a lot, most definitely whenever I see um, like a, uh, queer Asian men uh, mm -hmm. as they participate in um, 
you know, engage with uh, white men in terms of how they uh, express themselves sexually or how they uh, behave within like uh, the uh, gay club or something like that. Not to say that they're misbehaving or anything, but you can see it's like some there's a part of me that's always asking, is this the real you? Whenever I do see people like that, or even it, when, when it comes to um, black and brown people, I've asked that same question. Is this really you? Right. And and I think also a conversation that needs to be expanded is that when we're also talking about sexual roles, I think a lot of times we're just thinking about the physical act mm. of sex and we're not thinking about the intimacy part or we're not thinking about the uh, fantasy part of it because uh, there was an interesting article I was reading. Um, I believe um, her name is Dr. Zana Franglo. I can't, I can't pronounce her last name, but she's a <laughs> professor of human sexuality. And she was getting stories from uh, identifying gay men who were, they, they identify, you know, as a bottom, but hate anal sex. And so the, mm -hmm. the actual article was really interesting to read because immediately when you think about being a bottom, you think about, oh, okay, if I'm a bottom, then I must, you know, like to take it, you know, I like to, you know, have this, you know, receive this. And what's interesting is that they were going through a list of men who were sharing their stories and bottoming to them is not just, is not necessarily a physical mm. act of sex. They fantasize, you know, maybe being the receptive partner or being the more submissive partner or things like that. And even though we have other labels and other identities such as, you know, dom and sub and things like that, um, it's just really interesting to uh, come into a place where knowing that, yeah, when you're speaking about sexual roles, yeah, you want to have the conversations about, okay, yeah, what do people like physically and things like that. But also, you know, how do they see the embodiment of themselves in the nature of sex? And is that something that is uh that is flex that is flexible because of course we're not always the same with everybody and i think that 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 stimulates from especially for uh you know same gender loving men that that comes into the question about how do we view masculinity mm. because one of the conversations that show always i think that is uh, very apparent always like on dating and in hook on and hookup apps whenever you're talking with someone Let's just say, for example, you have this, you know, five, 10, six foot, you know, tall man, you know, muscle bound, you know, very outwardly muscular or, you know, some, you know, has all these type of features. A lot of men will say that I will only bottom for a certain kind of guy. And what that is code for is that I will only bottom for a man that I feel like matches my masculinity or supersedes that. Mm. So even though you may have, and, and it's not to say that that's the only case. I mean, you have a lot of masculine men that like to be dominated or penetrated by, you know, feminine, uh, outwardly feminine men as well. But the kind, but the kind of schism that we have um, in dealing with, uh, in dealing with the same gender is that we have to question about, okay, if me being in this role is feels emasculating in a sense mm. and just to kind of put my own story out there 
for um, the past, maybe I wouldn't say, you know, maybe year and a half to two years now, I have identified as a side, as a side man. And uh, if you are, if you do happen to be familiar with the apps of uh, Grindr and things like that, um, you may notice that the nature of uh, the side sexual identity is now posted because um, there's been a lot of uh, advocacy and campaigning for apps to include the nature of the side sexual identity. Uh, I do want to preface, and like I tell people, this is not, the term is not, the term is relatively new, but the concept is not. Basically, for myself, identifying as a side man is that my first go-to in being sexual with someone is not penetrative sex. However, just as we're saying, labels exist on a on a spectrum. There are many, many side men that they do not enjoy penetrative sex giving or receiving. However, for me personally, I'm not necessarily like that. I can enjoy the nature of giving and receiving maybe every once in a blue moon, but it's not necessarily my goal to to enjoy sexual intimacy with intimacy with someone. And so one of the main questions that always gets thrown out there or uh, excuse me, not questions, but assumptions is that, oh, okay, well, why is it that you want to identify like as a side? Like, okay, so you're just oral then, you know, because we do have the nature of just being an oral top or, you know, oral bottom or anything like that. And so it's like, no, the reason why we have the nature of the side identity is because just because you're not necessarily into uh, anal penetration, that doesn't necessarily mean your go-to is always oral either. You may enjoy other sexual acts. So what I explain, try to explain to people is that the nature of the side identity, It the reason why I enjoy it is because it gets you out of the, the mold and stereotype of always having to identify as a top, bottom, or verse. If that's not, you know, if that doesn't, you know, suit how it is that you like to identify. If you, and so many men come on to, the online Facebook group that we, that, you know, is there. And so many men share their stories about how they have been uh, shamed in sexual encounters because mm -hmm. they don't enjoy what is typical gay sex in air quotes, as I'm speaking. Um, and so many men just sharing their stories about just being shamed about finally feeling like they are part of like a, a larger community now that no, this is not odd. Or this is not anything, this is not anything new. So, you know, not to get off, you know, sorry, get off on that tangent. But it is just to say, like, as we're thinking about labels and as we're thinking about, yeah, but as we said before, there are spectrums to those labels. Mm -hmm. And just because you may identify as this, someone else may identify as that as well. It doesn't necessarily mean that it looks the same. I agree. And uh, I think that's that's something that a lot of people do have to reckon with, because like even with myself, this is kind of tying in a little bit of sexual scripts in sexual roles. Like I do identify as a bottom. But at the same time, you I don't when people uh, approach me and ask me certain things like, uh, oh, you uh, trying to suck this dick? I'm like, hell no, because I don't no. like to suck dick. And one, yeah. I don't know you. But again, that is, <laughs> but again, you just, but like, that's so important because that is just the nature of the assumption that just mm -hmm. because you may identify as being the bottom, that all of a sudden you enjoy all. Uh, mm -hmm. acts that are considered submissive and then that's even problematic because mm -hmm. what do we really consider as being dominant or submissive if you're exactly. talking about giving head to someone 
who do you really believe is in control here? The person who's giving or the person who's getting? And that's a whole nother conversation. And if but, it's hard to give it. The, but that's just the nature of the conversation, though. It's like, if I identify as this, then that automatically means that I enjoy all the subscripts that mm-hmm. come that, you know, are assumptive to the exactly. nature of this, you know, of this uh, role or, you know, identification. And like, um, just just to have it on the record, if it is Vernon giving, it's I'm the dom in that situation, <laughs> just so y'all know. But like, but I say that to say, because I do, uh, when it comes to sexual expression, I do consider myself as a dominant bottom and not necessarily, I don't consider myself a power bottom because with the way that the script and label works on that side of the spectrum of things, it ain't me. <laughs> it ain't exactly. me. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. No, no shade to y'all. I love y'all. Continue to do what you're doing because y'all, y'all got that power that's that that word is for you but i i give myself that title of dominant bottle because i am a dominant person i do have a dominant persona um mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to me being the switch as well i know that i'm more on the dom side than i am on the submissive side mm-hmm. so if you do approach me and you do want to engage in sex and things like that we're going to have a conversation it's nothing not- that we're you're going to expect oh this person's just going to automatically be willing to submit to me and all this up no motherfucker until my needs are met we're not doing anything and i don't care Mm -hmm. how that affects your ego how dumb you thought you were i don't need you you approach me or you wanted me or you the one that's actually trying to come over here the fuck so i like even whenever i'm in those positions where i'm horny i always know i could jack off and still be great i have toys i have things i don't necessarily need this but i want this there's a difference because i want this you're more than welcome to present yourself as an ideal candidate for this but i'm not thirsty for it yeah and people have to also understand where you're thinking that oh you know like your hand and you know toys that you use are the placeholder like no bitch you are the placeholder like don't don't get it twisted look you if i'm single and you're not somebody i invited on a date or anything like that just know where you are mm-hmm. and, know, and just, you know no <laughs> i love know, you though. know your place look know it's, place. it's nothing you know like the grade or anything like that it's just you know out of love mm-hmm. It's to respect where we are, and let's put that label on that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so, and yeah, and I just think that, like I say, when it comes to sexual roles that, you know, I think we have to, you know, continue expanding the conversation, not just for what we think of as, you know, masculinity and femininity, but also knowing the fact that when we're talking about sex, we're not just talking about the physical acts of sex. Mm-hmm. You know, we are talking about, well, how do you actually feel, emo- you know, emotionally? How do you actually fantasize about what it is that you, <clears throat> about what it is that you do in an intimate act? Because a lot of times, and that comes with the nature of fantasy, there are a lot of times where you may fantasize about something that you would not actually act out and, you know, act out in an actual sexual scenario, you know, situation. Mm -hmm. So again, we have to, you know, continue having these conversations and don't let anyone pressure you into a specific or box sexual role. You enjoy what you enjoy. Do not let anyone tell you or try to convince you otherwise. If you do happen to change what it is that you like, 
that's all well and fine. We're all mm -hmm. sexual beings. We're all, you know, here about growth and, you know, evolution. The things that we like more than likely will change, you mm -hmm. know, at some point in our life. So do not be afraid of that. Embrace it for all that, for all that it is. But and ultimately <clears throat> just respect yourself and respect others. Mm -hmm. And I'll, to add on to that, do not allow anybody else to write your narrative. Exactly. Like it is your story to own and tell. Like, yeah, you can have input of other people because look, conversation is conversation. What's a good book without dialogue? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Talk to these people. But that does not mean that they write your story. You still live the story that you want to live in. If they don't like the way that you express yourself and they feel the urge to shame you because of that, they don't need to be in your story. They don't need to be in any part of how you want to live your life and be happy and be successful because who are they? You are the main char character of your own story. Stop being an a, a NPC, a non-playable character. Also, stop being a side character in your own story. Mm -hmm. What's the purpose and, of that? And look, they, and look, my thing is like, and as we progress more and more in society, and as we, you know, come into, you know, because I think about, you know, we have all these terms now, probably in another 40 years, as I think, there's going to be so many more terms out there and so many intersects of identity. It's not, you know, it's like, it's again, data, it's overload. And, you know, I'm probably going to be at the age where it's like, oh, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, my ears are open, but I'm going to just be like, whoo, you know, too much for me. But it's not to say like, I'm going to have that mentality of, like, oh, you know, well, why do you do this? Or why do you feel this? Like, that's not for me. That is not for me. I'm and there are, 50, there are 50 million people out here in the world to be worried about what other people think about you. Honestly, I'm at that age already. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was thinking about, like, I respect all the neutral pronoun people out there. Uh, I truly do. But at the same time, I'm not learning all of those. Like, just approach me and I'll, I'll just call you by your first name. I, I love it for you. I respect the pronouns that you choose for yourself. But there's like 18 of those motherfuckers that I cannot personally use yeah, in on a regular basis. I love you. I respect you and continue to fight for the, um, the ownership of your pronouns because I'm with you in that fight. Just know I'm not going to probably use it often. Because I'm going to forget. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm not trying look, to learn. That has pronouns. nothing to do about malice or disrespect. It's just, look, my memory just don't work. Though. Look, I, I, there's enough up here work. already. I'm not trying to learn the full 18 new list of pronouns. I thought I thought we were done in uh, high school, in middle school, in, actually elementary school, which is which is confusing why people still act like they don't know how to fucking use pronouns today. Like, mm. you use them every fucking day. You use it in the same sentence that you exactly. say that you don't know what the fuck pronouns are. You exactly. use it. Well, but, you know, know. Like, get it together. <laughs> Y'all just get it together. Shut the hell up before... Shut up. Before, like, I, I'm like, choke that hoe. Let me stop. <laughs> Anyways, let's go ahead and transition over to some Never Have I Ever, which might have some pronouns. <laughs> Are they neutral or not? Okay, let me stop. Let me stop. <laughs> y'all don't don't cancel me. If you do, yeah, I'll be all right. Let me stop. All right. Um, never have I ever had sex with more than five people in a <laughs> in a year. <laughs> <laughs> 
okay, never have I ever. You want to come for you want to come for a nigga today, okay? <laughs> anyway, Tyrell. I don't think no. Actually, as I think about my sexual history, I don't think I have. Well, I don't know. I don't know if this episode is coming out before that one or <laughs> after this one. I'm yeah. a version. Yeah. Now where I'm are we on our time? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my calendar. <laughs> I think to track I was, some dates. I think I was talking to the van and I was like, I'm a virgin. (laughs) So I'm a virgin, y'all. So I have not had sex with more than five people in a year. I surely have, y'all. Let's let's be real. I I've definitely looked the whole in I put the hoe in Hovember. I put the hoe in Hovember. I put the hoe in how to be a hoe. I'm okay with it. And then that's the thing, like, I don't know, because that's so, like, subjective. That should actually be a topic, like, how do we think about body count? You know, let's talk about it. it look, it's we still technically still got time, so let's talk about it. I, 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 uh, I've actually told the, um, the dude I'm talking to, I actually told him that, for me, I see body count as experience points, and I've always seen those experience points, and I'm like, well, however many bodies you call is how many bodies you call I'm cool with it. If you got to cancel some motherfuckers off of your body count, go ahead and do that. It's cool. It is what it is. Because some motherfuckers need to be taken off. I did not fuck you. What do you mean? Ew. You might even be cute, but ew. Mm-mm. I don't know you. How you feel about it? No, same. I think, you know, for, like, because of intersex of identity that I have, especially being a poly person, like, Obviously, Polly is not just obviously about sex. Um, mm. But one of the things that I also experience is the nature of compersion. So, like, I love to hear about, you know, people's rendezvous and, you know, you know, wonderful sexual encounters. I'm like, oh, tell me more. Like, exactly. you know, like, let me give two snaps for it. So I think, yeah, I, I really don't see the nature of body count. Now, I think if somebody was to, like, like just tell me, like, not even double digits, of course, but like they body count just way up there. I mean, it's not, I'm not judging. I'm really not judging. Like, but I would be like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> this one goes, yeah, okay, okay. I, I heard on this one random podcast I listened to, it was, um, I think it was like being toothful. I forgot. Anyways, it might have been the Truth podcast, T R O T H. Um, um, uh, uh, Whatever that podcast was, one of the people that uh, I only listened to one episode, y'all. So don't judge me if you do listen to it and you don't like it. It was not I only listened to the one episode, but the uh, episode I listened to, the um, man that the host was um, interviewing was like he has a sex addiction, uh, sex addiction, uh, ah, addiction, addiction. There we go. I don't know what's going on with my brain, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm okay, but yeah. So he's addicted to sex or whatever. And uh, he said that his body count was probably 2000 or something. I was like, oh my God. Now, not to judge, I'm just like, how the hell do you have 2000 people that you've had sex with? Uh, Of course, it's somebody who has money and he's been doing a lot of traveling and whatnot. My main thought within that is I hope this man has been wearing protection during all this. That's that's my only concern. And really, at the end of the day, it's really not about the body count. It's really about 
how important is sexual safety to you? Mm. Uh, what does that look like for you? Because at the because I really think at the end of the day, how many people you've been with, everybody either has a past or doesn't. Like I, I automatically assume, because like I, just being very candid, I did not um, have any type of sexual experience. So I was 25. And so, you know, having that later on into my, into my twenties, I used to kind of have this mentality about like, I didn't want to be with people who I guess like had like a high number of body count. And I think that was just coming from insecurity within me Mm. because like, Hey, I had never, you know, been with anyone. So I'm thinking like, Oh, okay. Well, what happens like if I'm like not good or which is obviously subjective, like what if I'm not good? What if they, you know, don't find me as enjoyable as other sex partners or, you know, all these kind of things, you know, just starting into my mind. And then I had to stop to think about like, those are things I'm putting on myself. Like that has nothing to do with another per that has nothing to do with another person. And so regardless whether the body count or what someone has done with someone else, everybody is different with everybody, mm-hmm. you know? And so let's stop the falsity with the nature of, cause I never understood this falsity either about um, staying away from like virginity, like some, for some reason, like virginity is equated to like being like bad in bed when I'm like, where the hell does that narrative come from? Like, it just mm. means that you haven't had sexual experience. Like, Mm. You know, so I never did get that kind of connotation, but for whatever reason, like that's a narrative that's out there. Um, and so yeah, it's just like you know, you are going to be different with every every sexual partner that you are with, but just know, sexual health obviously is always important. And then two, do not try to psych yourself into sexual situations that you know that are not for you. Mm. If you know that you are not a person who does like one night stands don't try to you know talk yourself into doing it because you feel like oh like this is a prime part of my life or it's expected of me at some point or whatever if that's not you then don't do it if you know that you're not a relationship oriented person if you can enjoy casual sex then just be upfront about that you know like i say there are 50 million people in the world to be tiptoeing lying deceiving and doing all this that people do out here like there is no reason why you can't find what you're looking for. Exactly. Oh, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot of people out here. Just I I really I really don't get the pressures that people put on. Like like you said, just just be uh, responsible, sexually responsible, and whatever responsible looks like for you. Um and make sure that responsibility goes towards the other person too and respectful of the other person because like uh I'm still on my campaign to end this um this documentation on medical records about risky sexual behavior for anybody who are who participate in homosexual sex or mm-hmm. um you know same gen- gender loving sex it's automatically risky sexual behavior when look I've had, I I, I don't want to say countless, but but I don't know the number amount of sex over the years. And I can also guarantee that 99% of all of my sexual experiences included a condom. Mm. And the only ones that um, did not were either one, consensual because I was within a relationship, um, Mm. consensual because I gave that one person that permission, or not consensual. And 
like you cannot necessarily equate that oh just because this person is a uh, certain uh sexual orientation then they're automatically doing risky sexual behavior If you're not going to probe about this person's sexual history, you're not going to probe about um, what their uh, protection methods are when it comes to having uh, sex with other people, then that shouldn't be a a category at all. Exactly. And speaking of labels. um, (laughs) So would you like, uh, would you rather? Sure. So would you rather be told you were terrible at kissing or be told you were awful at oral sex? I think, ooh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I think I would rather be told I was awful at oral sex. And the reason why, it's not the fact that I don't believe like you could like, you know, just get better at kissing. But I think that for me, because of the fact like I'm a very sensual person, I love to kiss. Like that's one of like my top foreplay aspects. Um, So are certain aspects of oral, but I think for me, it's because I don't know, oral just encompasses, I think, a lot more. So I think it's something like, yeah, I could just, you know, hey, if it's not what somebody is looking for, you know, hey, if we if we're wanting to, you know, continue to be intimate, it's something that, you know, just to work on. Get that. You know, I'm about to cheat a little bit. <clears throat> I, I I was thinking I will. Um, rather be awful at oral sex as well because um, you know I don't like to suck dick so I'm okay with that but you know there is more forms of oral sex and I'm glad that you uh, reminded me of that because you know anal like you know are in some other cases rimming Um, (laughs) you have there's other things you could do uh, with your mouth on uh, on the body so I would rather be bad at kissing be terrible at kissing and be great at oral sex and add kissing somebody can be oral sex it just depends on how you fucking define it people right and you know when you were saying that i was thinking it because i was like wait a minute it actually is a form is actually exactly kiss can be very sexual if you know what you're doing Mm. Mm. and apparently tyrell knows what he's doing Mm, y'all know I'm experienced out here. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said he is not giving that one up. <laughs> I know. I'm here for it. Would you like one last would you rather? Sure. All righty. So would you rather have sex in bright lighting or have sex in complete darkness? Um, I would rather have sex in bright lighting just because when it comes to sex, I'm also a very visual person, so I mm. like to see things. And in the dark, um, obviously, I can't do that. So you have to feel your way around a lot more. But I like to see. I like to see. I get that. And I am the reverse. I actually like to feel. So dark okay. is great for me. Um, bright. <sighs> I can do it, but it's just, it doesn't give me a certain aesthetic. However, I do like a silhouette. So if I have like, or not even a silhouette, if I have mood lights, I might be able to wiggle a little bit of something up in there, you know, spice up the sex a little bit and still make sure it's very sensual and touchy and all of that. And I'm still in that headspace. Right. But yeah, it's it's the darkness for me. I'm a dark child. I'm a 
I'm I'm a child of night, the moon, Luna, all up in me, <laughs> the crescent, you know, all that. So, yeah. On that note, thank you, Tyrell, for being on another wonderful episode. And we have November coming up too. Oh, such a beautiful time of the year. Do you have any last words that you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, again, just as we've talked about uh, sexual roles, scripts, again, just uh, love you to no end. Never let anyone define about what your what your limits are, what your boundaries are. Only you can determine that. And again, there are 50 million people out here in the world to enjoy yourself with. If you don't want to enjoy any of the 50 million people, guess what? You always have yourself. And, well, that, is more, and that is more than enough. To add on that... Sorry, I have to correct you. Seven billion. No, eleven billion. Eleven billion. See, <laughs> so you got a lot more. We got, we got statistics and research up in here. <laughs> Look, you got a lot more out here that you can engage in. And a billion's a lot. Do y'all know how much you could do with a billion people? You could fill a planet. Mm. <laughs> Look, maybe we need to do. Look, we should. We should be actually talking about like getting to a new planet because it's like earth ain't doing it no more oh it's, it's really not oh my god it's you know not. i'm so i'm so over earth is so ghetto I, I wonder if this is what the martians went through they was just like oh um you know we have a great little civilization what are they doing over there are they drilling oil did we tell <laughs> them that they need to stop drilling oil oh they selling yeah. the oil now okay it's okay you know things are great why is and it getting hotter and apparently nothing ain't changed in seven billion years. So it's like they never gonna learn. They never gonna learn. They never gonna learn. <laughs> they never gonna learn. I'm sorry, Martians. You know, we took your planet for granted. And here we are. We about to end up like y'all to be red as fuck. All this kind of carbon monoxide and shit all up in our atmosphere. The the dirt starts to turn red. All this other shit because what? Oh, they wouldn't yeah. drill some oil. <laughs> <laughs> And chop down the trees, get rid of the water, pollute the water. You know what? Mm. Mm. Mars, y'all got how much is y'all rent? <laughs> Just let me know. I, it, is it less than a hundred dollars? Because I could I could make some things happen. Like I just need to find me some oxygen and I can make my way there. It might take me like how many years? Is it 10 years or three years to get to Mars? Mm. We'll find out. <laughs> on that note again thank you so much Tyrell um, to the listeners out there thank you all so much for listening to the Holy Liquid podcast where we step out and speak on sexuality and just in case no one else told you this today you are beautiful you are worthy of happiness and joy you are enough and then some you may not live up to the expect. Uh, uh, sorry you may not live up to the expectations of others but that is okay you are only required to walk in your own shoes may each day you live lead you towards abundance with that said love you all and see you next episode bye thank you for listening to the holiloquy podcast where we step out and speak on sexuality you can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com that's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation 